Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Today's topic is about binge eating. Now, I want to preface this episode by saying if you have an eating disorder, it's very important that you go and you seek professional help. Even though I have struggled with my own disordered eating patterns and eating disorder, it is not in my code of ethics to help anyone struggling with a clinical eating disorder. So that is out of my scope of practice. The information in this episode does not replace that of a doctor or a psychologist. So I just want to make sure that you understand that if you do struggle with an eating disorder, it's very important that you go and you seek professional help. Binging and eating disorders are very close to my heart. I had struggled with bulimia from the age of about 17, 18 years old, all the way up to 25. And although I haven't been a practicing bulimic for at least, you know, five years now, sometimes the mindsets that accompany an eating disorder are much harder to shake. And so I, eating disorders are very near and dear to my heart. I'm well aware of the ins and outs to binge eating because it's something that I struggled with. Even after I stopped struggling with bulimia so much, I then went on into binging. So I'm going to read off of the National Eating Disorder site what binge eating is because there is a difference between binge eating and simply overeating. They're not the same. So binge eating is an eating disorder characterized by recurrent episodes of eating large quantities of food, often very quickly and to the point of discomfort, a feeling of loss of control during the binge, experiencing shame, distress, or guilt afterwards, and not regularly using unhealthy compensatory measures like purging, to counter the binge eating. So it is now recognized in the DSM-5 as one of the newest disorders of eating disorder. There's certain criteria that has to be met in order for you to be diagnosed with binge eating disorder. So eating in a discrete period of time within any two hour period, an amount of food that is definitely larger than what most people would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances, and a sense of lack of control over eating during the episode. And that's very important to remember when we're distinguishing between overeating and binge eating, 
It's that feeling of a loss of control. I used to call it my food trance, where you would almost, I would almost glaze over and this ferocious kind of beast would come over me and there was nothing I could do to stop eating. And trust me when I say my binges were completely epic, um, but mine were also followed with purging. So I didn't have binge eating disorder. I had full-blown bulimia because after my binges, they were accompanied with purging either in the form of throwing up, the use of laxatives, or even the use of excessive exercise called exercise bulimia. So when we're struggling with binge eating disorder, there's different things that we need to look at in order to be able to improve our disordered patterns. And and binge eating disorder is treatable. Now I'm gonna look at binge eating from an emotional standpoint. I'm not gonna look at it from a clinical standpoint because I am not a clinical psychologist. So we're gonna look at it from an emotional standpoint, some different things that you can implement when you're binging or when you feel a binge coming on and what you can do to kind of navigate your way through that disordered pattern of behavior. It's important to remember that binging is accompanied with stress. You can overeat in a setting, say you're at a party or a celebration, or you're having a conversation with someone and you all of a sudden you realize, ooh, I've eaten too much. That's different. When we're binging, binging is accompanied with stress. It's accompanied with fear. It's accompanied with shame. It's accompanied with guilt. All of these things create stress in our body quite often. And I know this is what it was for me is my binges happened by myself. I was completely isolated, usually in the evening or over a weekend when I was single I would hide in my room and I would just go for it. So a lot of the time, binges happen in isolation because there's a lot of shame and guilt attached to when we're eating that way that we don't want other people to see us. So there's a a big difference between overeating and binge eating. When we overeat, we still have that sense of control over what we're doing but when we go into a binge there's no stopping us and you can try and set all these practices in place but when we're actually going through the binge it's pretty darn hard to stop whereas overeating you you can cue into your your body's satiety signals a lot better than you can when you're binging we're also when you're overeating you could overeat on anything Binge eating, we're usually gravitating towards foods that make us feel better. High fat, sugar, salt, really carby, fatty meals. That's what we're headed towards. We're probably not binging on carrot sticks and hummus. Although I want to make a point that you can actually binge on anything in any amount. It's the intent behind the binge. So you could be eating really frantically and 
continue to feel like I need more and more and more and more. And you may not necessarily be eating an overabundance of food in that specific time period, but it doesn't mean that you didn't have that binge tendency to come on. Now in binge eating disorder, you do generally eat larger amounts of food. And I know that is how it was for me. It's how it is for many people that I know, clients, um, friends, lots of people that I know that have struggled with binging. I also want, and I wanna drive this home, this point, using food when we're feeling low or turning to food for emotional reasons is normal. There's nothing wrong with you when you do that. There's no shame in turning to food when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed. There's no shame at all. It's completely normal. So many people do it. Food is quick, it's easy, it's legal. So there's people that turn to drugs and alcohol. There's people that turn to work or exercise or gambling or food. All of these things are different coping mechanisms that we use to deal with stress. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. But if it's causing damage to our bodies, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and we have a serious issue, then we need to address the underlying issues. Which brings me to my first point. With binging, there's an underlying issue. Nobody binges for no reason. You're not heading to the cupboard or coming downstairs in the evening and wolfing down as much food as you can, hiding, eating in isolation because life is good for you. There's something in your life that's causing you to eat like that, to gravitate towards food and to binge. And the minute you find out what your triggers are is the minute you have more power over your binge because you are powerful over your health. But we need to educate ourselves as to why we're doing what we're doing. So we all have these different triggers. For me, my biggest triggers were when I felt lonely. And before I met my husband, Kevin, I I was really lonely and I didn't know what to do. I was struggling with my body image. I hated my body, actually. I hated everything about me. Um, I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. I was bulimic. I was trying to get things under control, but I just couldn't seem to get things under control. And when I felt lonely is when I turned to food. And I know that so many of us, we use food as a placeholder when we're either alone, maybe we're in a relationship, but we still feel alone, or when we feel out of control in some area. And that's my next point that I wanna go into. Our binges usually happen when we feel out of control in some area. Again, we're probably not going to gravitate towards food and binge and wolf things down if life seems really great and we're in control and everything is a-okay. It's when we're going through seasons of our lives where we feel completely out of control that we gravitate towards things where we can feel in control of. Food is one of those things that we get to control. You get to control how much you eat or how much you don't eat. 
You get to control what foods you eat, when you eat. It's something tangible that we can control when our life seems to feel out of control. So before I had dealt with any of some of my baggage from my past, I felt completely out of control over my circumstances. And binges can come up in all various manners for in different seasons. You might lose your job and all of a sudden you find yourself gravitating towards food. It doesn't necessarily mean you have binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder clinically has to last for three months and it has to usually happen at least once a week. So there's a difference between that and then just simply binging. So we have to feel out of control in a certain area of our life. And when we feel out of control, it's very normal. Again, it's normal to gravitate towards things that we can tangibly control. Another reason that we can tend to gravitate towards food is when we're simply tired. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not nourishing your body with proper nutrition, if you're skipping meals, if you're restricting your food intake, it's predictable that you're going to use food to level yourself out. Now, binges can seem so powerful as they're happening and all encompassing, but it's important to remember that we give binges more power when we're in a place of restriction and fear. Quite often in our diet culture society, which has robbed us of the ability to experience pleasure with food and to see food in a normal way, when we're restricting our food intake because we're told that's what we need to do, if we need to lose weight, we're told we need to restrict food, If we wanna look a certain way, we're told we need to restrict food. And anytime we come from a place of restriction, that's when we give power to the dark side, to that binge. Because it's gonna, for every high, there is a low. And if we're always driving down our food supply and our metabolism, it has to counterbalance in some way. You're gonna get hungry, you're gonna, usually come out the other side with overeating or binging when you're restricting your food intake. And I know this sounds so counterintuitive, but when you feel the urge to restrict, that's when you need not to. If you have fear around food and you are afraid to eat something, generally, it might be a good idea to have a little bit. First, ask yourself why you're afraid to eat and what that food is going to do to your body. I like to coach my clients that when they're coming into a binge and we can feel it coming on, is first to take a step back, breathe and ask yourself what the binge is about and if you're really hungry. And then let yourself eat, but do it in a mindful way. So don't hide, don't eat a bag of chips right out of the bag. Maybe put it on a plate, sit at the table and sit with your food, sit with your emotions and see how much power that binge has over you. Because I promise 
You will not be able to eat a full bag of chips sitting at your table with no distractions like you would be able to in front of the TV or alone in your room when you're going at it ferociously. So that's a really great strategy to help you before a binge is coming on. If you're in the middle of a binge and you realize what you're doing, sometimes there's just no stopping you. But after that's done, ask yourself what that was really about and forgive yourself. Don't let yourself feel the shame and guilt that's often associated with overeating or sometimes people just feel guilt for eating in general. It's okay to have an appetite. You need to have an appetite. If you didn't, you'd be sick. And if you didn't eat, eventually you would die. Food is pretty darn important. So it's important to give yourself grace and to forgive yourself when those things start to come up, when those behaviors happen. But we always want to question why they happened in the first place. And we come back to this baseline of knowledge. If you know yourself inside and out and you can be honest about what you're going through, that's going to help you when you come up against these challenges. If you're lying to yourself or you're not willing to admit your weaknesses, you're never going to be able to get better and to overcome these circumstances. We have to be able to share what we're going through and to seek help when we need it. If we're coming from a place of fear with food and it's resulting in us binging because we've been restricting, we need to get a better relationship with food. And this happens over time. It takes time to develop a healthy relationship with food. And that's going to look different for everyone. But we need to be able to nourish our body properly and to listen to our body and what it's telling us that we need. Now, sometimes we get these cravings like I want a Big Mac or I want something that's maybe not the healthiest for us. And it doesn't necessarily mean you go and feed yourself junk whenever you want it, but it's finding healthier alternatives. And if you've been used to eating or binging on foods that are highly palatable and processed, it's gonna take time for your body to normalize and to regain a taste for real food again. If you've been assaulting your taste buds with sugar, fat, and salt in a processed way in excessive amounts, yeah, real whole food is probably going to taste fairly bland. So we need to slowly get our tastes and our desires back for real food. So when you're binging or about to go into a binge, Ask yourself, is the food that I'm going to be binging on high quality? If it's not, choose high quality. It is so important to choose quality over quantity. When we're choosing quality food, we're getting more nutrients. So if you're eating a diet that's high in processed food, you're not getting those essential vitamins and minerals and nutrients that you need. And a lot of the time, we are overfed, but we're still starving on a cellular basis. So it's important to choose quality. When you're about to binge, choose that quality over anything else. When you're eating normally, not binging, 
Choose quality food above anything else. And that means you can have all the things that you like, burgers, pizza, chocolate, chips, crackers, whatever the case may be, but there's always a way to make those foods healthier. There's always higher quality versions of those foods. You could make your own pizza. You could grill your own burgers or go and get a gourmet burger. You could roast your own oven fries. You can make your own cookies. You can buy dark chocolate that's high quality. There's always ways to make foods healthier. But if we're coming from a place of restriction and we're, we're not simply allowing any of that at any time, then usually you're going to rebel against what you're doing and you're going to rebel hard and you're going to go in and get all the foods that are more processed or higher sugar, fat, and salt because that's just what you're going to do. That's my experience anyways when I've been very restrictive. Um, I've often gravitated towards the unhealthy versions of the foods that I want instead of just giving myself and my body what it needed when it needed it. So here's a really simple strategy to help you. Give yourself something every single day that you want in a high quality way. Here's an example. I eat dessert every single day. I used to restrict dessert. I used to not let myself have ice cream or I was even really stressed out about eating too much fruit. I'm not like that anymore. I have ice cream every single day. It's coconut ice cream. It's high quality. And the amount I have isn't big because I know I'm eating this every single day. I'm allowed to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. When I take that mentality of restriction away, all of a sudden the binge, the fear has less power over me because I'm not constantly fighting my appetite and fighting my body. I'm not at odds with myself all the time now. Anytime I feel fearful about food, I take a step back. I ask myself what I'm really afraid of, what the food is going to do to my body. Now I have a tendency to undereat now. So then I'll actually say, no, you are going to eat that. You're going to sit. You're going to enjoy it. The food's not going to hurt you. You're fine. If someone is the opposite and they tend to overeat, take a step back, ask yourself what this is really about, what you're really hungry for in that moment. If it's food, then give yourself food. If it's love, then give yourself love. If it's sleep, then go take a rest. If it's exercise or whatever the case may be that you're using food for, go and do that instead. Food doesn't have to have so much power over you, but food is meant for us to enjoy. Emotional eating isn't a bad thing. We emotionally eat during all different kinds of emotions. We emotionally eat when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're bored. Emotional eating isn't the issue. It's the disordered patterns, behaviors, and thoughts we have towards food and our body. That's the real issue. It's not, it's not eating 
per se. Eating is not the real issue. It's the manifestation of a deeper rooted issue that we're yet to find out. So it's very important that you find out what those issues are that you have that are causing you to turn to food. And this is where seeking out professional help is a great option. Finding a psychologist or a therapist, even talking to a friend or a family member and getting it out there. The more we keep in, the more we let this thing grow inside of us. It's through the power of our words and our testimony that we overcome our struggles. It's very important that you find someone to talk to about this. And if you do struggle with a clinical eating disorder, it's so important that you go and seek professional help. You don't have to live with disordered eating and disordered eating patterns. You don't have to live with them. You are powerful over your health, but you need a base knowledge as to why you're doing what you're doing. Now let's talk about disordered eating patterns. If you're being restrictive, if you're a chronic dieter, if you're afraid to eat food, if you're afraid to eat unhealthy food, there's also a condition called orthorexia where people are consumed by eating healthy food and very fearful to eat anything they deem unclean. These are all disordered eating patterns. If you are fearful when it comes to feeding yourself and you view food in a negative way, that's not normal. And that's not healthy either. So we need to be very conscious of the relationship and the dynamics that we have with food and the way that we feed ourselves. You don't have to be struggling with a clinical eating disorder to have disordered eating patterns. Unfortunately, we see this a lot in the fitness industry. And it's easy to see someone who's overweight and to think, oh, that person probably has issues with food or they have disordered eating patterns. And then we look at someone, say, on Instagram, that's a quote unquote influencer in fitness. And we think, oh, that person is so healthy. They must really have it all together. When at the same time, that person could have extremely disordered eating patterns of behavior compared to someone who's walking down the street that might be 20 pounds overweight. That person who's overweight may not actually have any disordered eating pattern at all, and they may not care at all that they're 20 pounds overweight. Whereas someone who is underweight, who is obsessed with tracking their food and counting every calorie or macronutrient could have a very unhealthy relationship with food and disordered eating patterns. So it's very important to not judge by someone's appearance. We don't know the background story to any one person and we're all so very different. What I require is going to be different from what you require and what you require is going to be different from what your family or your friend or your partner requires. And it's very easy to get caught up in thinking that our way is the best way. But we have to remember that 
our lenses are always going to be painted through our own perspective. So we really don't know what's going on and what's going to be best for any one person. This is one of the biggest reasons why giving generalized advice over social media is not a good idea or taking in generalized advice on social media is not a good idea. It's not tailored to you as a person. It doesn't know your background. It doesn't know your needs, your wants, your desires. It's so important that you seek out someone who's going to help you on an individual basis and not take some blanket statement as gospel truth that someone who may not even be qualified is telling you you should live by. If you struggle with disordered eating patterns of behavior, why do you struggle with them? What are they? Pinpoint them and you'll be able to tell if something is causing you so much stress, like tracking your macronutrients. If you are a macronutrient tracker and it's causing you stress, like you can't go out to eat because you can't track your macros properly, or you don't want to make new recipes because tracking your macros is going to cause you stress. Why are you doing that to yourself? What is it accomplishing? We have to ask ourselves, what are these behaviors accomplishing in our lives? What's the point? What's the point in tracking our calories? What's the point in tracking our macros? What's the point in having this obsession to have the perfect body when that perfect body doesn't even exist? What is the point and is wasting your life energy doing that helping you in the long run? Is it sustainable? Is it long lasting? Is it healthy? Is it building you up on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level? Because I'm going to be honest with you right now, most times it's not. It's not worth it to be obsessive and restrictive and focus on all the numbers. It's no way to live. It doesn't develop a healthy relationship with food and it's not sustainable. When we're looking at a healthy diet and a healthy relationship with food, we need to look at something that's sustainable for a whole lifetime. Cutting out carbs is not sustainable for a whole lifetime. Sorry, keto peeps, it's not gonna work. Our brain, our cells, it needs glucose. Glucose is a preferred energy source. You can try and say ketones are as much as you want, but they're not. So just get over it. Glucose is needed by the body. Carbs are not the enemy, but when we've made them out to be, it's our mindset that needs to change, not necessarily what we eat, but the way that we use food and the way that we view food is what needs to change. I could get on a whole nother rampage about carbs and how wonderful they actually are for us when we eat them in proper amounts and improper quality, but that will be for another podcast. The goal is to develop the best relationship with food that we can. And if we're engaging in practices that take us further away from that goal, then we need to address those practices and we need to get over it. And if we don't know how to get over it, we need to go seek out someone that will help us get over it someone who's qualified, someone that can walk you through different steps and how to overcome these challenges and to let it go. Because often it's not our, it's not the food that we eat that needs to change. 
And it may not even be the relationship with food that needs to change, but it's other things going on in our lives that may be causing us to have an unhealthy view of food or our body that needs to change, if that makes sense. It may be the stressful relationship that you're in or something else going on in your life that's causing you to use food as a placeholder or try to control it because you don't have control over this other area like I mentioned before. There's so much that goes into this relationship with food and the way that we feed ourselves and our body and our body image that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's so important that you don't take generalized information that you get off the internet, that you get off social media and apply it to your life. It doesn't work like that. You need to be more introspective and your own nutritionist, your own psychologist, your own detective and become curious about why you do what you do and be real and honest and humble about why you do what you do. And that's really the basis for figuring out and and gaining that base knowledge about why you do what you do so you can change the things that are toxic and you can implement the things that are going to make you healthy, happy, and have that positive relationship with food that will last a lifetime. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.